Episode 301, The Rant, Daryl Doucette, Hoosh, Fighting for Flag Football and Fighting for Cancer, all day, every day. If you're around the National Flag Football Circuit, you know the exploits of Hoosh. In this pod, we discuss his early life in New Orleans, Louisiana, his love of sports, his discovery of flag, playing the game in the name of fighting cancer, being on the national stage, and growing the game we both love. All that and more, my conversation with Hoosh, now. The Rant has been brought to you by Geo Studios, now open. They are located one block south of Westbury Train Station in the heart of Long Island, New York. Looking to bring your art or event to life? Trying to record a podcast? Enjoy six rooms of studio space to create audio and visual content. It also includes an 800-square-foot cyclorama wall studio, a state-of-the-art recording studio, three breakout rooms for four to six people each, which include a green room and lounges, a quality surround sound with six speakers and studio lighting, and most importantly, two on-site restrooms. You know I need my restrooms. Book your space today. For more information, find us at geoevents.com. The Rant has been brought to you by The Irrefutable Magazine. Co-editor in design Kevin Sparrick and co-editor at large Ralph Fernolis decided to combine both of their talents in writing and illustrations to bring to you a new online experience from an official's perspective. They both ref, but it's deeper than officiating. They create art for all time. Do you think your brand would be a good fit for The Irrefutable Magazine audience? Want to advertise with us? Visit us at theirrefutable.com slash sponsors for more information. We are the irrefutable. Welcome to another edition of The Rant. I'm your host, Ralph the Ref. I'm with a super special guest by way of New Orleans, Louisiana. And listen, man, I heard off air that draw, man. That's I wish I could talk like that, man. My, my New York accent is so thick. But um, a flag football <laughs> legend um, across the country uh, currently resides at the U.S. national team. Uh, for the IFAF World Championships and the game of flag football, one of the games that is near and dear to my heart. Hoosh, uh, Daryl Doucette. How are you, my friend? I'm doing wonderful, man. Thanks for having me. I came on here to represent, you know, New Orleans, the flag world, you know, fighting cancer. Yeah, man. Fighting cancer, man. I, they they definitely ring from New York to all the way from where you're from. And, you know, I just want to say thank you for all the contributions uh, to flag football, the game that I love that's near and dear to my heart. And, you know, I just appreciate anybody that proliferates that game because it's such a beautiful game, right? It's like one of those unseen gems that, like, I wish it was more exposed. And, and that's why I was happy that, you know, it was brought to light two years ago uh, on the NFL Network, and, and you were part of that. So, you know, man, we, we're, we're happy that you're an ambassador to the game. Um, you're somebody that's super important within it, and you're helping us continue to grow. So, you know, nonetheless, I want to say thank you and, and welcome to the show, man. Thanks for having me, man. I'm ready to get on these topics. <laughs> <laughs> so, of course, uh, the coronavirus um, is something that has been, you know, with us ubiquitously in our life for, for the longest time. I know uh, for me, back in March, that's when, like, lacrosse starts happening for me in baseball as a referee, um, and basketball's kind of winding down. And, and this year, it just, you know, everything just got weird, man, and... I know in Louisiana in the beginning, it was hit as hard, not not the as hard, but it was hit hard early on, just like New York was. So, you know, I wanted to ask you, how are you holding up during this COVID-19 pandemic? 
How's your family doing? And and most importantly, what what was the moment that you took all this like really serious? Were you like in the midst of, of training for a flag football tournament? I think it hit us it hit us hard because of we had Mardi Gras. So Mardi Gras was at the end of February for us. And you know, we get a lot of tourists down in the city from all over the world, all over not just the US, but people come from our other countries to come to Mardi Gras. So it kinda people must have came in with it. And then by us being so close together during Mardi Gras, I mean, it just was like a chain reaction. And within, like you said, March, March, April, my girlfriend ended up having it, um, and we lived together. And so I was seeing it firsthand of how it affected her, um, how I had to be safe, how, you know, everyday life, you don't go cleaning up doors or wiping doors down, wiping lights down. And the simple things that you don't normally do. I had to pay attention to wearing a mask all the time. So it definitely hit home. Then my mother had it. My great-grandmother had it. And thank God they're fine. They got through it. It definitely affected me big time. But it was also a blessing for me at the time because I used that time off from when I wasn't working to actually start training and working out and going out there running and trying to perfect my crap a little more with my off time and then I see within they had a few turns I played in and I just kind of got in better shape because I wasn't really having the time to really train like I wanted to to be at a level where I needed to be Mm. and I was using my time off wisely to get into it but then I ended up pulling my groin in July and I'm just starting to come back I say about a week ago wow so I caught you at the perfect time, man. That that must that was a long recovery. And, you know, I, I think about the continuum of my officiating career. Normally what I do is I go, you know, straight from college basketball, high school basketball, and then I go straight to lacrosse and baseball. But uh, something that was the first thing to start, at least in New York State for me, I could have done baseball, but I don't do summer baseball. But flag football was something that I was able to do. When you first started doing games in the beginning of the pandemic, it was probably weird too because, like, you know, I, I know in New York State, especially in the city, uh, all the rims were off. So we, we didn't even have a chance to even have anything basketball-wise. And, and summer basketball out here is crazy. I'm sure you've heard of Rucker Park, Dykeman yeah, Park, all course. them crazy things. So it's it's like a jungle out here. But that wasn't there. But, you know, people found solace of, like, softball, baseball. But specifically in flag football was, like, the still the crazy competitive thing going. Was it weird in the beginning since you had all those family members affected and, you know, you going into the foray of playing flag football games? Was that weird for you? Did you... Was that a, a, a um, tough adjustment? So I remember in May, it's like when our league down here, they was like, "Yeah, we're gonna start back playing because we were all we were always told, and then we we're like going to phase one, phase two, or whatever the case was." And we was, I say probably phase two is when they was like, "Oh, we're gonna start back playing," and I was like, "Nah, I'm not. I'm not going out there playing right now. I'm gonna wait a few weeks." And I mean, we never knew or know when it would end or if it was what was going to happen you know what I'm saying at the time it was still brand new to us now we're more I guess adjusted but at the time I was like nah I'm, I'm not getting out because like I said I was looking at it firsthand, and then this was before my mom and my grandmother had it but my girlfriend had pretty much just recovered from it so mm-hmm. um, I was like nah I'm not coming out that plan right now so it kind of took me a few weeks and then in June I probably went out there at the end of May early June before they had the uh, tournament in Dallas, like Nationals in Dallas or whatever. And then at that time was when 
I kind of just said I'm going to get out and, and I'm going to just deal with it how I have to deal with it and, and be safe however I can be safe. You know, wear my mask and things like that. And I just took it one day at a time. And I don't know if I'm asymptomatic or if I never had it. I never got the antibodies, but I did touch negative last week. So, hey, I, I just don't know within that process. All, they, all you can do is pray and take it day by day. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's the common denominator now, just taking it day by day. Everyone, you know, I would always implore everyone to stay safe. Um, you know, just on the ground, what's it like right now in, in Nolia? And, and how has that affected, like, eateries? Because I know it's really a hot spot for Cajun food and just that Louisiana, um, you know, home cooking. Um, what, what's it like right now in, in Louisiana? So um, we just dropped back down a thing to, like, two weeks ago. And I guess the numbers have been increasing and going up. I mean, because people was trying to go by their families or hang out, you know, after being on lockdown and everything. And we dropped back down to phase two. And restaurants, pretty much, you have to have reservations. And, um, like, you know, you walk in a restaurant, you see empty booths, empty tables, and they're like, you have a wait. And, you know, you're like, why do I have a wait? And of course, COVID, man, you know. People... You can't sit close together anymore, so restaurants not taking as many customers, and you have to do takeout or eat outside. The thing I enjoy about COVID is that you don't have people breathing all down your neck, mm. whether you're standing in line or not. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So that's that's one thing I can say was a positive, because I was in line one day, and I'm like, man, why is this man right behind me? Like, get the <laughs> you know? Well, other than that, I'm just ready for things to get back to normal. Yeah, man. Yeah, I don't even know when when that could possibly be because I think about all those New York City games. Every single game that I've ever refed out there has been a super spreading event. Like, it's weird for there to be not anybody in there. But, you know, during this whole time of, you know, March when we was just in complete lockdown and then the summer where we were kind of going out and now everything's spiking and you're trying to find your footing back in the flag football game. What do you think you learned about yourself during this whole time? Wait, repeat that again. What do you think you learned about yourself during this whole time of uh, the coronavirus? Um, I'll say just taking things more serious. You kind of look at life a little different because by me being affected and just my family, you know what I'm saying, just appreciate them more. Seeing my grandmother just go from being normal to Man, barely even being able to. Matter of fact, she couldn't walk. She couldn't even get out the bed. We had to help her do all these things that she was always accustomed to doing. So it just made you appreciate things a lot more in everyday life. And now she's fine. She's able to walk and, and do all those types of things. So people should definitely take COVID serious if you haven't already. Yeah. And I think it takes for people to be affected to look in a different light about the situation. Mm. You know, yeah, I'm happy you turned that negative into a positive and um, you're, you're staying safe and, and you're remaining vigilant into to worrying about it because you had so many family members. But, you know, just talking about your time of how much you're an ambassador to the game of flag football. You must have had the passion of sports all this time. Um, and having said that, just talk about where are you from? Where did you grow up? What did you play growing up? What did you play in middle school, high school and in college? So, um, actually, I started playing elementary school. So like second grade when it was, you know, not even a popular sport. I was in a Catholic school. I didn't really play park ball because we had flag at my school. And from that point, it was like playing 
playground football to me. Like me just playing outside with my friends, but it was a competitive where uh, what can I'm, I'm missing the word I'm looking for, but like a sport that it wasn't just you outside with your friends. You know what I'm saying? It, it was, I can't think of my word that I'm trying to say. Well, anyway, it was structured. I had structure within the sport is what I want to kind of get to. Uh-huh. So I started there and I fell in love with it. I love football, play basketball, all that when I was a kid. But flag was just something that stuck with me. So then I played that like second through eighth grade. High school, I played freshman football. And then my sophomore and junior year, I bowled. I was, I was, I've been a bowler pretty much all my life as well. Mm. And when my junior year was Hurricane Katrina, I was bowling, but then Katrina came. And then I went to a school in Atlanta and I started running track. And I never was into track. That wasn't my thing, but I'm more competitive. And this guy was talking to me like, man, I'm faster than you. I'll burn you. All this coming to track. So I went to track. And then I was the fastest person on the team. And from then on, I fell in love with track. So I did that. I didn't even think about my junior year of high school. And college is when I met one of these guys that in my school, they had a flag football team or whatever, in the mirrors, you know, recreational type stuff. And uh, he ended up bringing me out to our open league, our adult league. And from that point, I just kept growing as a player and, and learning from different people. And from that point was when I just started to take over the scene. And and I had guys that trusted in me even more than I trusted in myself. You know, they was like, man, we what happened was we had different leagues at home. And I was quarterback on in one league, but then our main league, I played receiver. And then the guys that was quarterback for them was like, man, we need to put our team in. Like, whenever you're ready to lead that team, we need to put our team in. And then well, me and, one, me and our quarterback kind of got into an argument about picking up players and stuff. And from that point, I told him, I said, man, I'm ready to put our team in. I, I need to be, like, kind of in charge of picking up players. and Not necessarily in charge, but at least I need to have a say-so. And that's when we started putting our own team in. And then from then on, we just grew. Mm. And and then me and nephew, the coach, me and him got together. And once he started playing, too, and, and we just took over, you know, and it's just been, I've been fortunate to be where I'm at. Man, that, that's such a great uh, twist and turn getting to that point. I think about flag football just on a local level over here, and sometimes there'll be people that have played, you know, high school ball. They were all conference and whatever their league there was. And then, you know, they play flag football and they play people that are, you know, more seasoned. They don't look as athletic, but then they know the nuances. And that, that takes a, a very difficult time uh, to develop. Um, how long when was that breakthrough for you? Because I know, you know, you played all this time, but sometimes you're recruiting people that aren't necessarily hip to flag football, and you really have to unlearn a lot of things that you know from football. When was that moment when you realized that you can transition and, you know, kind of tell people and, and, and show that leadership role of, of understanding how to play flag football the right way? I think it was just me being, I don't know, I have an eye for talent and an eye for personalities. And I always try to get people that was about the team that that'll play their role and understand their role and do what's best for the team. And I didn't see guys that play contact that that was, that was great in contact, but mm-hmm. doesn't transfer over to flag. And I didn't see guys that play flag that's not so good in contact, you know. And and me just understanding 
or even trying people out and trying to work with them and, and help them understand the game because a lot of people that play contact and try to come to flag think flag is is, is not a real sport. Yeah. Or mm-hmm. it's, it's just pitch and catch. Or we're not playing contact. It just they, they underestimate the game. And I also have people that come out and say, if we were playing contact, it would be a different game. I don't different. Just never understand that. <laughs> right. But we're not playing contact. We're right. not playing. You play, you're playing right now. Like, you you, you, you might be yeah. losing, but now, like, that's the excuse. When it, it never made any sense That's your me. excuse now, yeah. you know? So, I done, I done seen it all. I done played against NFL guys, even before NFL. I played, played with NFL guys, played against them, played with them. And, I mean, some of them catch your eye, and some of them is just, you on the same level as me. If you play flag, you're probably beneath me. Mm-hmm. And when I seen him playing with, with me, I was like, okay, well, he could do this, he could do that. The speed is up there, but everything else, your moves and all these things, that I didn't learn from playing flag alone. You don't have that in this game. Right. And I didn't play with like Malcolm Jenkins like for the lockout year when uh they had the lockout about what, about ten years ago, I say. And Malcolm Jenkins and Roman Harbor, they, they were playing with the Saints. They came out and they played they were playing on my same team. And they did not know any flag terminology. And we was playing seven man and then like I wasn't throwing. I let I, I let whoever was over the team. He wanted somebody else to throw so it was cool. Okay, they could throw, whatever. Respects to them, the NFL guys. I'm excited to play with them. So, Roman Harper and Malcolm Jenkins come in the huddle, and they talking about, yeah, we're going to go sweep left, sweep right. What? Like, you can't run. You're not running no no plays like like that. Like, it's not, well, you have blockers. Everybody is free to go run. You know what I'm saying? It's not like we're playing nine-man or eight-man contact. We're playing regular seven screens. Running sweep left, that's an NFL player. That's a play you do with blockers. So I was just like, man, these dudes don't know the game. Let me get back here and do what I'm supposed to do. And mm. that, that kind of showed me that it's a whole different game. Man, I got two questions that stem from that. For the one first thing, um, when did you realize that you were, you know, I, I think that's like a jarring experience. I know for me, uh, just on a local level, I used to play this uh, Division One basketball team, and I could hold my own. I was like, wow, I'm... I'm not necessarily as good as a division one basketball player, but I had the confidence. I had the poise to play against them and not feel as though like, you know, self self-conscious about myself. Did you know immediately that you belonged with NFL players and that it was a different world? Because they probably didn't realize that initially in the beginning. They're just like, well, you know, I'm a professional, like I'm definitely going to dominate, but it's like, no, this is a different sport. Well, at that time. Yeah. When was that time for you that you realized like, Oh, I'm, as good as, um, as professional athletes? I think at that time, that was one of the things that, that was exciting in my mind. I don't know if you remember Joe McKnight. Joe yeah. McKnight played for USC right after Reggie Bush. He was like the next Reggie Bush over there, rest in peace. He was playing out there in the same league. And and this is when he was just coming into the league and everything. So he still was, you know, an athlete in, in his prime. And me and him was going one-on-one. Boom, and I ran like a post or something on him. And I think at that time we was playing. That's when Roman Hoffman and them was playing. I went deep on a post on him, went caught it up, jumped over him and everything. And I was just so excited. At that time, I was like, man, I really went did that against, you know, a professional athlete. Mm. And then, like I said, even though Roman and Malcolm was on my team, they didn't impress me within that game. So I was like, I'm really at this level. I might not be as big or physical as them, 
as them, but my skills are almost on the same tier or higher in flag. And then that kind of just built my confidence and boosted my confidence to keep going until I met where I'm at today. Mm. Now, if if you had somebody that was of that caliber, maybe like a former NBA player that was like, yo, run some routes and figure this out. What's the best advice you would give somebody that is athletic but doesn't really understand the nuances of flag football? What's the best advice you can give somebody for like a weekend of a flag football tournament that I, I need this person to perform? What advice would you give to them? You, I feel like be confident, but don't underestimate the guy across from you and don't underestimate the game. You know, don't just because you're a professional don't mean that these guys are beneath you. That doesn't y'all tie the shoes the same way. You put your pants, shorts, bras, mm-hmm. shirts on the same exact way. So don't go out there just thinking you're just better than people because that's not the case. You know, everybody, everybody that played ball before most likely if they've been out there. And just be confident, be humble, and play your game. You know, use whatever strength you are, whether it's you're tall, use your size for your advantage. But never underestimate the man across from you. Mm. You know, this is like the perfect person to speak to. Um, you know, I watch some of the highlights that you have. Um, and I'm like, man, I wish I would see that on the local level. But sometimes like some of the moves that you do, they trickle down to the local level. And I don't know if it's because of you or the influence that they have at the national level where most of those plays are a little bit more normalized in comparison to like the local leagues. But, you know, if you had to describe the way you play and, you know, I'll just say if anyone hasn't seen Hoosh like throw, it's like (laughs) some of the throws like, dude, I wish I could throw a football like that. Like I can throw a basketball like that. And if we play flag football with the basketball, I'd be going behind the bag. You know what I mean? Do a little left handed one. And, you know, I remember I was watching this highlight tape. And I don't know who did the video, but there was this one pass where you were like right behind a line of scrimmage and you're running all the way to like your tippy toes are in a couple of inches and you like lob the ball like if it was like a basketball pass and you already just kind of went on your way because you knew what time it was. How would you describe your yeah. game? I think I, I'm, I'm just confident in my ability and getting the ball to where it has to be and my team is confident in me, which helps even more. I remember first year AFL when we were playing in Jersey in a Jets facility, and I had one of my worst games at the beginning throwing. And I think I was more nervous because of the stakes. And I knew it was going to be a good game. And I just made like a few bad throws that would be easy throws, simple throws. And I remember coming back home. And as a matter of fact, it was Tony Saragusa. He was. You know, he had defensive tackle, Baltimore Ravens, Super Bowl mm-hmm. champion. He was killing me. He was like, "You can't. he can't throw. He should just be a scat back, et cetera, et cetera. And I remember coming back and, and like, some of my teammates were like, man, don't come out here and, and start being down on yourself upon what this man's saying. And I was like, nah, I just took that and, and took it with the criticism he gave me and built off it, you know what I'm saying? And I, I told him, I said, man, I know what I'm capable of. I know why we're in this situation. It's not about my throwing form. It's not about any of that. I know where to put the ball at. I know how to throw. I know how to read, you know, et cetera. And, and those guys believed in me at the same time. And you need that sometimes. You need just need a little boost of confidence from, from your peers. And those guys that gave me that. And we went on to, you know, to finish it off and win a million dollars. 
And um, so I just feel like my team believed in me, helped boost my confidence to go out there and play the same way every week. Mm. Man, that's great, man. You know, I think about Brian, too. I remember I was reffing him when he was, like, still fairly, I wouldn't say young in the game because he's been playing since he was, like, you know, a teenager. So he's he's had so much skin. But by the time I got hip to uh, reffing flag football, his team was pretty dominant. And, you know, I, not to say I was surprised that he felt confident to start going on the national level, but it was like it was it was like from, you know, local folklore of of that's our native son that's going out for a national tournament. And right. we were always really proud of him. When when did you feel like you had confidence that you'd be successful on the national level? So like when I was saying earlier, like our team, when we first put our team together, the guys was like, Man, let's travel. Let's start traveling as a team. And I was like, all right, cool. So our first time traveling we won tournaments, won tournaments. Then it came to national, won nationals our first year. Next year, come around, like I said, we win the tournament, everything, win nationals again. So now we pretty much have the, the, the bullseye on our back, the target, we the targets now. And we still winning. We won like five straight nationals. And we won five straight years undefeated in tournaments, never lost no tournaments. Mm. And at that time, it was just, we was rolling. You know, we were, we were the team to beat. And then the sixth year, we lost. We lost two tournaments. And and that brought us back home. You know, because at the time, after you went like that, I can honestly say it, it kind of, I don't want to say it got boring for me, but it was like I needed new challenges. I say that I, I needed something else to look forward to. And right at that time was when AFFL came for me. And I remember we was putting our team together and all and discussing that and one of the things I said in the videos was we're not worrying about the pros. The pros are gonna have to worry about us. Mm. We're not happy with winning those ten thousand, winning no just happy about winning these little bitty pots when we going for the prizes a million. And from that point our team we was going for the million. You know, some people might have said, Well, I'm good, we want this, we want no. Our goal was to win the whole thing. And so I always knew we were capable of it. And I believed in them and they believed in me. And that's pretty much how I went. Mm. This whole time of your experience playing flag football, you know, playing it at a high level, and just playing sports in general, just growing up, um, what's your perception of officials growing up and, and all this time that you've been playing flag? Um, I think they're in a tough position, most definitely. I tend to actually clown around with a lot of the refs. I, I referee here and there, and I know it could be a headache. Mm. You know, and yeah, you're going to get calls that don't go your way. Um, that's always going to happen a lot of times because you might not like the call, so you're not going to agree with it. But, I mean, it's a judgment. Some things are judgment calls. A lot of them is judgment calls. And I just kind of stay away from arguing with them because I, I have a thing where I feel like if I go to arguing with you more so, then you're going to tend to not give me any calls anyway. So I try to make sure I'm on their side. Even if I jump on their case, I don't like to be disrespectful mm-hmm. towards them. You know, and I feel like a lot of people get out of hand. A lot of people get a, get disrespectful with referees, and then they won't complain later on about the referee. Mm-hmm. So, now yeah, I, just, I, tend, I tend to just joke around with them. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the way I like. I like to joke around myself, man. I'm a cool person. I just so happen to wear a shirt. And sometimes I got to be the, the the bad guy. <laughs> I don't want to be, but yeah. just speaking of that, I know you said that you ref, you know, here and there. Would you ever officiate another sport? I actually, 
I'm officiating like basketball, more so not not actually elite line like not actually in the college team, but like in the mirrors and stuff like that. I actually used to ref that for our school here and there. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I I just enjoy the sport. I enjoy sports, period. So whatever way I could get my hand in it, I, I try to. Mm. Well, listen, you, you wouldn't be where you are if you didn't have a lot of help along the way. I'm sure that there's been so many teammates and coaches and, and other fellow players that you've competed against that have brought you to the highest levels of flag football. And, you know, I wanted to just give you the opportunity to just talk about, you know, you know your mentors or people that have helped you, who they are, what they've done for you, and how do you think they've shaped the way you've helped people after you? I'll definitely say my father, he always believed in me and always just let me do whatever I wanted to do. He never pressured me to be anything like him. Um, he's amazing. But he never pressured me to go out there and play football. He never pressured me into bowling. And, and me and him bowled together. He never pressured me into those things. He let me make my own way as a young man and as a grown man. He always supported me through whatever. So I can definitely say that. Um, nephew, everybody know him as nephew. I would coach Uncle Steve. He's like a best friend slash father figure to me. He always with me, no matter where I go, no matter what I do. He got my back, with, no matter what decision we make. A lot of people see us, they don't understand our relationship. Even my father, he don't understand the relationship me and one of the games in the AFL, me and him was getting into heated arguments and stuff. And my dad was like, well, you should bench him. And he was like, no, that's just how we talk. That's just our communication. So a lot of people don't understand our relationship. And I just appreciate him for that. Of course, my mother, she supports me by my side through whatever and still give me advice on things. So I could say those three are like big, big influences on me. Mm. In terms of the game, so, you know, I'm, like I told you off air, I'm a five-on-five ref and uh, sometimes I do eight, but – you know, I know on the national level, they do seven on seven, and I'm sure that you're used to playing nine, eight, five, whatever the team needs, as you said off here. Just just discuss the differences of, of all those different games, and what do you find the most challenging? What do you find your favorite personally? Seven will always be my favorite. That's what I grew up playing. That's what I mainly play. So that will always be my favorite. Five, five, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely on I love for it. Um, it's not it's not the game that I'm accustomed to playing, but I've been adjusting to it. And it's different. It's a much faster it's a faster game, but I didn't talk to people and they say seven is faster than five, but I think seven is faster because it's a bigger field and you gotta mm-hmm. run more. But five is different and I think it's more one on one type of action. Yeah, you can mix in zones here and there, but you, you have to have skills and you have to have heart to really get out there and play it. Mm. Nine man, I don't touch nine man. That's that's not my game. But I admire the guys that get out there and play it. Especially the smaller guys, the more skilled position guys. Because they hitting out there. I see that and I think you gotta have a great offensive line and a great defensive line also in nine man. Eight-man contact, I played that as well as eight-man screen. Eight-man contact, it's fun also. It's, 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 
it's contact like nine man, but everybody's eligible like seven man. So a lot of guys are accustomed to playing against a seven man style when they play eight man. They they mostly line up like nine man with blockers and stuff. When when we play eight man screen, we just lined up like we were playing seven and just sprayed everything out. Mm. So it, it was it was something different, and we went ended up winning when we finally put that team in. So I mean, I feel like everything brings different challenges in the game of flag football and I feel like AFFL has brought everyone together as a whole as a flag family to learn who each other are and you know what I'm saying and, and recruit and everything else because before AFFL I don't I didn't really know anybody that played nine man more so besides the guys in Texas that play screen. Right. That was like the only guys I knew. But like like you said Brian, me and Brian didn't never saw each other or or met before besides AFFL. Mm. And you know, some of those guys from, from Long Island or whatever, you know, some of like Fox, you know what I'm saying? I, I, Fox is a great guy as well that I've met through AFFL and through Team USA. Mm. So I feel like AFFL brought us all together as a whole. And I might, I wouldn't be on this podcast <laughs> without, you know what I'm saying, AFFL. Yeah. So I think everything is coming around and, and it's good. Like, dude, such, man, dude, such, I, I enjoy this because then him, didn't see eye to eye the first half I felt he had some things to say about me and I was kind of like man who is that me and him kicked it when I was in Philly two months ago that guy is laid back real down to earth mm. real cool but some people gonna have a bad perception of him because of how he comes off sometimes right but without AFFL me and him wouldn't have never met before you know so I'm just glad us as a flag community able to meet each other able to play against and compete with or against each other. So I'm just glad everything is coming about now. Mm. Now, you're also somebody that is so versatile. You think about you and Brian being on the national team and, like, he's a quarterback and you're a quarterback. And, you know, you talked off air about you're doing whatever it takes to win the team. question I had to ask for you of just being able to play a multitude of positions. Of course, you're naturally a quarterback, but you are also a gifted receiver. What do you think you um, like the most, and what do you think you're best at? I think I'm best at quarterback. But, like I said, I go wherever. I, I, I'm accustomed to playing receiver. I play deep. I always play both ways. So, And then I used to get down and rush as well. So it just, like I said, wherever they ask me to go, I just go. I play center a little bit. I just do whatever I'm asked to do because mm. I'm, I'm a threat no matter where I'm at on the field. And that's what a lot of guys feel. So even if I'm just decoy and I'm running decoy routes the whole time, I'm going to do it to free another guy up because I play quarterback and I understand that's what it takes to win. Mm. You know what I'm saying? You might not get the ball every time. Mm. You might not get the ball at all. But yeah. in the next game, you might be the MVP of that game. Yeah. You know that. And, and that's what I tell my guys. So, I can't preach it and then don't go out and do it mm. when it's my time to go out there and do it. Yeah. And you can empathize, you can empathize with those receivers, especially when you're the one that throws the ball. <laughs> right. For sure. Exactly. After everything you said, what do you think of the attributes? What do you think it took to get to where you are at this moment in time as a flag football player? I think it took the competition that I'm accustomed to playing against. I've pretty much seen everything that you could kind of throw at me playing in such a competitive league down here and then playing, traveling so much, seeing different people, playing against different guys all the time. 
that that definitely helps me out to get to where I'm at. Understanding the game and always willing to learn. You, you never know everything. You never know everything. You can always get out there and learn something new. And, I mean, that's with every sport. Mm. Because look how the games are changing within NBA, within NFL. You got more three-pointers now, more guys that can handle the ball. You got bigger point guards now. The game is always evolving. The NFL, you get more mobile quarterbacks mm. now than before. You only wanted the Peyton Manns and the Brady's. Now you got the Russell, Mahomes, Lamar, Jackson. You know? So you always to learn. The game is always changing. And I'm just always being a student of the game and trying to keep learning from different people as I go each week. Mm. What do you think it's going to take to get to where you want to go? And ultimately, where do you want to go as a flag football player? I think it'll take the exposure. I think I'm at the level. I'm, I'm not going to get any younger. And I just feel like the exposure of the game. I don't, I don't think I could get any further right now besides me going out there winning a the goal with Team USA. Mm. Other than that, I, I accomplished all the goals that I had in front of me as of right now. Maybe another thing will be winning five-man at Worlds. But other than that, I didn't win multiple national championships. I didn't won AFFL. I didn't won all these things. And now it's like Team USA. I mean, of course, if AFFL come back around, but Team USA is the main thing, and I'm just hoping our sport continues to grow to where it gets to an elite level, to where it gets to hopefully we if we become real pros and getting paid for it. And I'm able to coach maybe later on, or I'm in broadcasting if we get to that, like just whatever to keep my mm. name in the game and be associated with the game. Yeah, and we appreciate you being ambassador to – you know, a game that has so much growth, so much potential, and, and of course, the game that I love, that you love. And, and that's just, it's a great thing that, you know, you're one of those people that are in the forefront because you, you really, you know, you, you stand behind what you say. You're, you're very passionate of the game. If you can, um, describe the most stickiest situation that you've ever had playing flag football. Like how? Hmm. Like Teammate late, you missed the flight, uh, you playing bad, you um, got hurt with your your hand okay. while you were throwing. Okay, I didn't mess through all that. Besides playing, <laughs> um, I could say I was I had a we playing in a tournament and I was having a horrible game, which happens. But I was like just wasn't in a rhythm at all. And um, I remember Brandon McCray and nephew would come up to me and was like, "You need to come from quarterback." You need me to get back up? That's what Brandon told me. Mm. And that was like the first time I've ever on that team been damn near benched, you know. And I was like, nah, I'm, I'm good. And I told him, I said, I just need you to carry me for now. And he was in the, we call it Dixie uh, drop, but he was the second quarterback that I was throwing back to. And he's making plays and kind of got me in the rhythm. And once he made a few throws or whatever I needed, I ended up taking a few little throws, simple throws, like the hitches or curls or outs or whatever, to get in the rhythm. And we ended up going with that game. But I felt like he just, when, when he did that, he built some adrenaline in me. And it kind of made me mad. And I play better when I get mad. And I think that kind of just, he just boosted me. Something in me. And then 
I think that was one of the things hurt. It was another tournament where I was hurt. I, I might have had a hernia. I don't go to the doctor, but I might have had a hernia. And I couldn't run if I even threw the ball five yards. It hurt within my stomach. It was just something within there. And he was taking it up this time. And I was on the sideline. I wasn't playing. I told him I couldn't really play. And we went to overtime with a team that we shouldn't have been close to going into overtime with. And I came in, won the game. Next thing you know, we won the tournament. I pretty much just fought through the pain. So that was like another controversial moment. Yeah, I think that's probably the two main ones. Mm. That sounds both really sticky. But, you know, conversely, just talk about after all the things that you've accomplished. Obviously, you're, you're, you're a legend in the things that you have done. Um, you're going to continue to do great things and to proliferate the game that you and I love, flag football. If you could pinpoint one moment, what is the best moment that you've had thus far as a flag football player? One in the AFL, like when we, I can I can walk you through that whole game in my head. As we came out the tunnel, it was looking into the stands. It was amazing. Like I wouldn't have pictured that moment of life of me being in that situation against those NFL guys. And to me, look across when we're doing the national anthem, and I look at those guys, and all of them are much bigger than me. And, you know, they didn't been on the scene and they didn't played on the stage. And then I, I kind of got intimidated in my head, like, man, I'm really about to play just these guys. I put my head down and look away. And I was like, I can't look at them because now my game is starting to change in my head because I'm getting nervous. So I just looked away from them. And then when we stepped on the field, they got the ball first. And they tried to throw a bomb on us first place, incomplete. They tried to throw another one incomplete and then uh, I think we rushed or something I remember it going to four down I just remember it going to four down and they punted and for us we don't never punt so when they did that and my I said to myself these guys don't know nothing about flags they are really punting they thinking it's NFL they weren't about field position so that happened we punted I mean they punted we got the ball then we throw an intercept. I handed off to Darius, and I was telling Darius to throw it deep, and we throw an intercept. And I was like, damn, that was like I was trying to really just take momentum and, and kind of build off of it. Then they kept the intercept. Next thing you know, we stop them. They drive down, but we stop them. Then they come, we drive all the way down, 90 some yards. Then they stop us on the goal line. And I'm like, okay. I'm starting to get in rhythm, though. And I'm still going confident as the game is going, even though we didn't score on them. But I see that we're on that level to where we can still go out there and beat these guys. And then we stop them again. And then when we drive downfield, I make my moves on Justin Fawcett, lateral to Kamusha. We scored the first touchdown. And when I made those moves, I was like, man, these guys are not really ready. If I'm able to do all these things mm. on them, they're not going to be, they're not, they're not ready. They just mm. like everybody else. And, we went to halftime up 7-0, got the ball, went and scored. When I threw a touchdown on Brandon McCray, we up two touchdowns, and they still couldn't move the ball on us anymore to where they was going to score. They wasn't really getting into striking distance, I'll say that. And then when we took our blitzes at him, he didn't know how to react to the blitzes. And they was just like, we were playing great defense. And, man, it was – and at that moment, 
our confidence grew as a team and we just took over and, and that was like the greatest time of my life. I'll say that. Mm. Like that was that was definitely the greatest time. Mm. And when I ran a guy down and pulled his flag on the goal line and, and that just kinda put it to what else an exclamation point upon not only that game but the whole thing, never give up. Yeah. We fight cancer. Don't give up. You know, so all that like was real big within our team. So I say that was that was like the greatest moment. Mm. Yeah, and that's something that you will remember for the rest of your life. I'm curious, man. Where, where'd you get that name, Hoosh, man? Is it is it is it part of your name or is it TJ Hooshman's nah, out or something like that? TJ Hooshman's out. Like when I first, when a guy first bumped, like I was saying, when I was in college and a guy first bumped into the field, nobody knew my name. I didn't really know anybody. Nah, else, I got you. And and it was like, man, you look like Hoosh. Here we go. Yeah, and then after that, you know, when somebody see you come with a nickname and it sticks and something on, I'll just say hell with it. That's my name. I know. It, it, you, some of the best nicknames are always the ones that you don't like. You're like, yeah, my name is Daryl. <laughs> and then like, nah, you hoosh. You hoosh, man. Yeah. So your name is hoosh for, forever now. Yeah. <laughs> my final question to you is, man, flag football has let you cross the country far and wide. Play the game that you love. Be an ambassador to the game. A very important ambassador. What does flag football mean to you? What is it given to you in your life? The world, like something that I love, something that I've become great at, something that I look forward to every well, I play every week. So every week, I at one time I was playing five times a week. I mean, it was started to be a little wear and tear, but Damn. it was just something I love to just go out there and do. All the time. I, I go to the tournaments and just travel to the tournaments, even when I'm not playing, just to watch, just mm-hmm. to enjoy it. Man, I'm so happy for the women that they're getting their opportunity to be showcased even more because they wasn't getting those opportunities. They didn't have a lot of women teams. And they're also going to sports. Now I'm trying to get into coaching, becoming a coach at Xavier University in New Orleans. I'm also coaching in the WFFN, the Women's Flag Football League now for the Florida Surge. So I'm just always trying to be in the game however I can. And, and it means, like I said, it means the world to me. Mm. Man, man, this has been great, man. Uh, and to me, I could say thank you all I want, but to me, you'll be able to listen to this for all time and just remember this moment in time in your life of that you've accomplished so much, but you have the greatest challenge ahead of just growing this Great sport. I thank you. Stay in touch, man. Any final words you want to say before we part ways? Oh, man, I appreciate you having me on here. I always love to just talk about football, talk about flag football. I'm just thankful that we all are helping the sport grow. And I, I, I only see it getting bigger from here. Um, I'm glad and grateful I'm on Team USC. I'm just ready to take that to a whole new level. And I'm glad all the doubters are starting to believe in this sport mm. as well because there was a lot of them. And we have a lot of respect on our game now from those per- superior NFL guys as mm. well. That's all. That's all I got. That's great, man. We're going to leave it at that for uh, Daryl Doucette, a.k.a. who's supposed to look like T.J. Hoosh. For, for Hoosh. <laughs> this is Ralph the <laughs> Ref. This is the Rand. We're signing out. Peace. <laughs>